Hey, you sharks of liberty out there chumming up the waters for a good cause. Welcome to the preamble for Electric Liberty Land, episode number 133. Hey, guys, just want to tell you, you got to join the Prime. We're doing our debate recaps. We're going to get those geared up. Also, football season's coming. Degenerate Gamblers, which, by the way, rarely talks about gambling. Mostly, it's just funny stories. But we are gearing up. We're getting our gambling season going. If you join our pride, you get to compete against the Lions. Enter in. Beat us. You get free merch. Maybe we'll even send you some free Morning Roar coffee from Anarcho Coffee, which you could also buy at lionsofliberty.com forward slash coffee. But... To win that coffee, you have to be part of the pride. So go to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty, join up, and you can join the pride for as little as $2 a month. You can join our Facebook group. You can get all the live feeds there from their debate recaps to our conspiracy corners. Again, you can see all the live streams. You can't get all the content, but you get all the live stuff. You get to be part of the conversation. You get to interact with us and the fantastic community we've built. So I'll see you in there. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Oh, baby, we're here. We're in here. We're in this hot, sticky mess called Liberty where you just stick a foot in. You want to test the waters, right? You want to, you just want to stick a toe in that Liberty, man. But it turns out to be just a, a quagmire that sucks you in with its ideas and its ideals until you're just knee deep in sticky, sticky Liberty mud. And that's where we find ourselves. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, everybody, in episode number 133. I hope you're buckled up. Because it's going to be a doozy today. Although, you know, it's going to be a doozy. Uh, but at the same time, I am distracted. A lot of things going on, a lot of things on my plate. And I kind of hinted at this, but I have uh, found out some interesting news. And now I found out even more interesting news, which I'm going to share with you, my listening audience. I'm probably closer to many of you than I am with my own friends and family. I mean, I can talk to you guys. (laughs) God knows I can't talk to many of my friends and family candidly any longer in this political environment. Although, as you know, I am a professional at talking to people and trying to bridge those gaps. In fact, if you want to hire us, we're actually, the Lions, we're going to have a speaker page going up soon. If you want to hire us to come in. And, uh, and give a talk to your group, happy to do so. So we're going to have that speaker page up very shortly. Uh, actually, I'm going to see if I can get that up by the time the show comes up. It'll just be at lionsofliberty.com forward slash speakers. If you want to check it out, the topics we'll cover. But one of the topics I do like to talk about, and Mark does as well, is bridging the gaps, trying to talk to people about liberty without, without coming across as some sort of psychopath or some sort of uh, you know bottom-of-the-well dweller. Not like a cool way, like a Goonies way where you're down there and you're yelling up there and you end up, you know, making out with a girl that's a lot older than you because she forgot her glasses and they broke and she thought you were some sort of football player. But eh, you weren't. Turns out you were just a 12-year-old kid with a rock-hard boner. Mm. Annie, you Goonie! Anywho. The reason I'm a little distracted, I'll, uh, I'll break the news here, is that it turns out that Dave Smith will no longer have the libertarian market on talking about goddamn little baby girls coming to the world cornered because, yes, yours truly will be having a little baby girl. I've just found that out. Uh, I knew I was having a baby. Did not know it was a little girl until just today. So, cheers. Cheers to everybody out there. Cheers to all the parents. I will be a parent. And uh, as such, of course, I will have to change the entire format of the show and talk about abortion uh, nonstop uh, like Dave says. No, no, I promise I will not do that, my friends. That that much, I can assure you. I will maintain my position for better or worse, as you well know, that I do think that abortions are something that should be uh, able to be had. I have not changed my position about the start of life. I do not believe that a human life is, in fact, uh, something that be quantified at the moment of conception. While, yes, there's a reaction there. Yes, on the cellular level, something's happening. I still believe that 
the actual life, the actual uh, soul and the rights, if you will, since I'm not a big religion guy, so I don't typically believe in a soul, but the rights don't begin at conception. That has not changed. However, I will share a, a funny story in that the way I found out that my wife was pregnant was that I was actually sitting at my desk, typing on my computer feverishly as I am wont to do in the Lions of Liberty forum, which, or it might actually, it might've been the pride. I can't remember if it was the broader forum or the Lions of Liberty pride. I try to take a lot more uh, active role in the pride, obviously, than I do in the regular forum, but having a very active conversation about what? Of course, abortion. And I'm busy arguing the uh, the pro-life to a point, you know, pro-life up until X position, which I have taken and which I, I feel very uh, confident arguing. And of course, my wife walks in and tells me that she is pregnant. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm like mid-paragraph. I'm like, my dear sir, I don't think that we can, uh, we can fully say that life begins at conception and that I'm just like, oh, uh, well, shit. Shit. <laughs> Anywho, baby. Mm. What you gonna do, man? Babies are babies. Anyway, welcome to the show. That's my big news. You can send uh, kudos. Either send me kudos on Twitter, on Facebook, or, you know, the preferred method of sending kudos would, of course, be to go on Patreon and support the show. Uh, or, you know what I would take also? I prefer hard currency, even though we do not take a dime of profit out of this show. Said that before, guys. We plug everything back into the show to go to places. And we're still not to the point where, you know, we've got some fantastic, some, I mean, just really our Patreon supporters, our friends that have been supporting the show are the absolute best. But we still need a lot more of them to do what we want to do to, to really get to the next level. So if you guys could help out, that would be wonderful. If you don't have the money, I understand. If nothing else, can you guys just tell some people? Can you share the show? Can you tell others in your circle to listen in? Because that is honestly as valuable as money to us in the evolution of what we're trying to do. So that would be much appreciated. Uh, I can't say I'm going to name my baby girl after you, but uh, but Bobby Wilson is in consideration. He's our he's our top Patreon supporter. And uh, hey, maybe a little Bobette, little little Bobette Liberty McWilliams popping out here in a few months. Anyway, guys. Let's get into the topics. Uh, so that's my that's my news. Happy news. But there's not all happy news here, as you know, with this show. And as you might surmise by the title, you know, usually I save it for the end of the show, but I'm pissed off about it. I want to talk about it now because this just happened today is, you know, it's, it's really been a smash up fucking week. If you're just a really shitty cop, if you're a cop that either is inept, is uh, a just... Fearful, so fearful, in fact, that you should not be permitted to have a gun if you are uh, or just a cop that seems to think that the law does not apply to you. And we'll find out that there's probably good reason for cops to think that in most situations. But if you're one of those cops, hey, man, you really have had just a great week, a great month. Maybe not a great year because you'll remember there was that woman who went into an apartment that wasn't hers and shot a guy. And then tried to pretend that it was due to marijuana. And uh, yeah, it turns out you can't just go in someone's apartment and, and think it's yours and it's actually their apartment and kill somebody and get away with it. So that bitch is in jail, fortunately. However, you know who's not going to be in jail? Well, turns out the guy who's not going to be in jail and got off scot-free for shooting a man in the back as he lay on the floor of an apartment hallway with his pants falling down. Well, that guy, he's getting off scot-free. And not only that, He's getting $2,500 a month because he got PTSD from shooting a man in the back as he was laying prone on the ground and begging for his life. Yes, Philip Brailsford was acquitted of murder. And now, because he is saying that, and, and again, you, you know this isn't like your everyday quack doctor out there in psychiatry or psychology, you know this is some sort of psychologist working hand-in-hand hand with the police department. Uh, where was it? Mesa Police. It's got to be Arizona. Yes, Arizona. Mesa, Arizona. He's on disability, drawing a disability pension because he has a medical retirement because of the PTSD. And this, of course, is signed off by this quack. 
who you know is complicit in signing off and saying that any officer has PTSD, any officer has an emotional disability, any officer has whatever they might need to make this thing go away and make it all right. It's kind of like when celebrities, you know, like Mel Gibson, when he's like going out there and he's like, he's like, ah, he's talking to some cop. He's like, ah, get your fatty cop Jew tits out of here. And she's like, that's not cool, Mel. And it's on video or anything he does. And he's like, oh, I've got a, I've got an emotional disability. I've got an alcohol problem. And that's like, it erases it. Now, Mel, Mel's career obviously hasn't come back full bore and neither has little Philip Brailsford's career. He's not allowed out there on the street. Thank fucking God. I mean, I don't know whether to be sad or happy about this story. This piece of shit is no longer on the streets. That's great. But now he's just drawing $2,500 a month pension for the rest of his life for killing a man. And if you don't know everything about this story, here's what happened. December 27, 2017, probably not not 2017, uh, 2017. Jury found him not guilty of secondary murder, shooting Daniel Shaver. And what happened is that he goes, gets called to a hotel. Somebody says they saw this guy holding a gun in, in his hotel room. Turns out, pellet gun, right? So they don't know that. Understandable, right, that they don't know that. But they order him. He doesn't have the gun at the time. They order him to come out of the hotel room, out in the hallway, crawl on his knees... And then crawl in their direction while keeping his hands up. No, I'm sorry. I thought he was facing uh, the opposite way. I guess he was facing towards him, which makes it even worse. Because it's not like they could say that they couldn't see a gun. You know, that he was reaching for a gun in his, in his uh, pants pocket or something like that. As he was crawling away and they weren't sure. No, he's crawling towards them while keeping his hands up, right? So they're yelling at this poor guy who's crawling towards him with his hands up, trying to like, I don't even know. How do you crawl towards somebody with your hands up? Or is he doing the worm down the hallway towards the cops? Were they beatboxing? Was Biggie Smalls resin from the day or resin from the dead? Was he there? Or the guy, uh, God, I'm blanking on his name. The guy who says, Are you, are you just a friend? Bismarcky was Bismarcky in there going, as he's doing the worm towards these goddamn cops. So anyway, he's trying to crawl towards them as they're screaming orders at him. Different orders, by the way, confusing orders, trying to keep his hands off the ground, worming his way towards it, and his pants start falling down. And he tries to go to pull his pants up. And as soon as he does that, this cop opens fire and kills him. For that valiant action, he gets $2,500 a month for the rest of his life. Not in jail sitting home in Arizona. And in Arizona, by the way, guaranteed you can live off $2,500 a month very easily. Very, very easily. Maybe you have to turn your AC off at night because I know that can get pretty high, but otherwise, no problem. But that's not all, guys. There's a reason I'm so pissed off at this because that's not all. You'll recall from many years ago now, I think the Eric Garner case was back before we even had podcasts rolling out on this network here. The Lions of Liberty Network, of course, the only, well, maybe not the only at this point, the original variety show. By the way, give us a recommendation on iTunes. Maybe write a review up, you know, something cool. But you remember Eric Garner. Now, Eric Garner, whose last words were, I can't breathe, was choked to death with an illegal, remember that, illegal chokehold. And I don't mean like it's illegal as in the letter of the law says you can never chokehold anybody. It's a legal use of deadly force or something like that. But by the New York Police Department's own internal rules, illegal to use this chokehold because it is deadly. So this, uh, this Eric Garner, he's selling what they called Lucy cigarettes. And basically it's because New York has put so much in the way of taxation and regulation on cigarette sales, where a pack of cigarettes is something like $13, $14 now in New York City, right? It should cost $3. They have put $11 on a pack of cigarettes just in taxes because, of course, New York is one of the most bankrupt uh, states because of all the different bullshit that that they do. So they have to tax people instead. And sin taxes is one of their favorites. Not, of course, the vocabulary words, not the English language syntax, S-I-N, taxes. Like taxing you for jerking off. And God knows you'd all be in the poorhouse. So anyway, Eric Garner is selling Lucy cigarettes, trying to make a few extra bucks on the sides, hand-rolling cigarettes or putting them in you know, a little machine in his own house. Cop rolls up, 
try to tries to arrest this guy. They say he's resisting arrest, right? I I I don't know. You say uh you could say that he's he's resisting, quote unquote, somebody in our forum had said that and actually really pissed me off. Um there's no justification for the actions taken against this man. There's no resisting. He's resisting arrest. He's basically just trying to get away a little bit. And then the cop just grabs him, puts him in a chokehold, and and murders him. Because he's lying on the ground, and he's telling me he's a big guy, right? Having trouble breathing. This cop is not letting him up. He's lying there, and he's literally saying, I can't breathe. Dead. So what ends up happening, right? After this happens, there's a mass public outrage, rightly so, about this. And, and by the way, just another fact— no matter what you might say, you could say, well, he shouldn't have been resisting arrest. Which is somebody, something somebody said in a libertarian forum, which I just, I can't believe my ears. You can't, you know, he's resisting arrest. Okay, guy. But no matter, even if he is, quote unquote, resisting arrest, right? It seems to me he was struggling to breathe. He's trying to stay alive. Uh, and do you think that his resisting arrest is justification for the man being dead? If you resist arrest now, you're just, that's it. Your crime, you've, you've now, this is like Judge Dredd scenario where whoever is, happens to be there, whatever cop happens to be on the beat that wants to arrest you. If you resist arrest for something as simple, as meaningless, as, as this offending crime that of course will bring down the city and the state and the nation, if not stop, of selling loose cigarettes. Well, if you try to resist that arrest, well, you know, judge, jury, and executioner. I guess you just, you can be killed and it doesn't matter. I'm sorry, but no. No society should operate under those rules. Anyway, let me just hash out real quick what happened. So, number one, the policemen do their own internal investigation. Non-surprisingly, they found, oh, he, he didn't do anything wrong. You know, we can't, we can't say that he did anything wrong, which always happens. Which is why California, one of the few things California's done right, and... <laughs> God, I forgot until this point that we're going to provide illegal immigrants with health care up until age 25 for the tune of $100 fucking million. God damn this fucking state, man. I swear to God. Anyway, what's to be done? Apparently, we don't vote on it. I'm getting off track. Let me get back to Eric Garner. So the policeman's union, uh, or whatever the internal investigations in the police department find that he's innocent. Then a grand jury in the county finds that Oh, oh, he's also innocent. I, I don't understand how that's possible. And then now the Department of Justice has found that there's not enough evidence to say, and again, they're saying there's not enough evidence to say that it was done with intent, which again is bullshit when you're using an illegal maneuver your own police department says cannot be used because it leads to people getting murdered. I mean, it's just, God, it's aggravating. And, you know, this guy, so there's a quote from this, the president of the Patrolman's Benevolent Association, President Patrick J. Lynch, who says, in both cases, a careful review of the facts led investigators to the truth. And of course, we saw the truth on video of a man being murdered in fucking broad daylight for selling cigarettes by a cop. Anyway, they found no criminality in police officer Pantelio's, Pantelio's actions. Although Mr. Garner's death was an undeniable tragedy, Officer Pantaleo did not cause it. Again, it's on video. It's on video that he caused it. Quote, scapegoating a good and honorable officer who is doing his job in the manner he was taught will not heal the wounds this case has caused for the entire city. This guy's quote is so full of bullshit. Okay, so the officer didn't cause his death. He choked a man to death. He was on top of him. The man said he couldn't breathe. He choked him until he died. How did he not cause it? Was there, did a strike of lightning come down I didn't see? Was he shot in the face by an assassin, which, uh, you know, sticking his head out of the sewer and popping a shot? Did a leprechaun crawl up his ass, lay leprechaun babies, and then decide, I, oh, fiddly forget it. I'll just let my children pop out of his body later and kill the man. Oh, I could have enjoyed a Lucy Cigaretto. What the fuck are we talking about here? And then saying that he's scapegoating a good officer, doing the job in the manner he was taught, also patently wrong. The manner he was taught literally told him not to choke a man out that way because it'll kill him. 
This whole case is just disgusting. It is disgusting to me. We see again and again, bad cops get protected. Bad cops get get paid out at taxpayer expense, go on living their lives. Just like bad teachers, by the way. Bad teachers also get paid out in the same manner. It is just, it's sickening. The power of unions. The power of unions compels you. The power of unions compels you. Fucking bullshit. All right, what next? Let's go into a little bit of, how about Kamala Harris? Eh, good way to go from here. Let's talk about two of the different presidential candidates' plans to help minorities, to help them get get ahead in life, huh? First, let's talk about Kamala Harris, or Kamala Harris, and her plan, essentially, to recreate the 2008 housing collapse, but just for black people. Because somehow that's going to help them. Now, Guys, if you're not familiar with what actually caused the 2008 collapse, I know Tom Woods has got some great material on it. Of course, he's got his book. I think it's just called Collapse. Um, So you can check that out. But I also did a bar talk in one of my infamous bar talk episodes where I really broke down the causes behind the collapse, which really came from the Clinton era. It came from the government forcing the, uh, the FHA to give out far more loans than it should and also encouraging banks to say, hey, We want you to give loans out to people that are in basically categories which you would never conceive of giving loans to in any other era in history. And the way they were able to get the banks to do this was by convincing them that, look, we're going to back your bad loans. We're going to, you know, if you want to go and loan to people that are poor, people that are minorities, people that are, you know, X, Y, and Z, that the FHA is trying to help and that uh, that is an important quadrant for us to target, of course, you know giving people out free money is always a big priority for the uh, the Democrats, then we're going to help you out by backing these loans, essentially guaranteeing them that if the shit hits the fan and these people can't pay, that the government will bail you out. And as we saw, the shit hit the fan, predictably, at the government's urging, and the government bailed them out. And people at the time were like, hey, why is this happening? Why are we giving these big banks these bailouts, right? Well, it's because they assured them that we would in advance. So now Kamala Harris wants to do, or Kamala, God, I hate her name. It fucking annoys me every time I say it. Kamala Harris wants to do the same thing. She wants to give $25,000 in a federal grant towards closing costs or down payments on a house for African-Americans and Latinos. And she bases this on the black-white gap in household wealth, which is understandable. And, And I acknowledge there is a huge gap in that. Now, of course, I would argue that the gap in wealth between African-American and white households is largely due to the fact that the government made numerous policies that put an entire generation of black people in jail. So, you know, kind of hard to have a, a black family have the same amount of income and wealth as a white family when one of the parents is gone. And then you incentivize people to stay broken up and not have an intact family household by giving them more welfare payments if they do not have the father in the picture, by making sure that it's difficult for people to get jobs after they get out of prison for nonviolent offenses like marijuana possession, those sorts of things. Again, government problems and now government solutions. Convenient, isn't it? But anyway, she wants to give $25,000 in a federal grant towards closing costs or down payments on homes. Now, having bought a house in California, I can tell you this, $25,000 sounds like a lot of money. It's not in certain environments. Um, But if you're in a poorer neighborhood, if you're, you know, if you can buy a house for uh, $250,000, that is 10%. And in today's America and the way that the housing costs have gone in a lot of cities like Los Angeles and like many other places, 10% closing is actually all you need. It used to be 20%. Now 10% is typically accepted. So essentially what you're doing and I want to I want to make this vitally clear. Essentially, what you're doing is giving people who do not have enough money or anywhere close to making enough money to have a down payment on a house and have those savings. You're giving them the ability out of thin air, like a fucking genie out of the lamp. You're giving them the ability to now get involved, make a life altering slash life ruining decision to buy a house which they can't afford. Because just because you can afford to put a down payment on a house of $25,000, right, on a $250,000 house, just because that's accepted doesn't mean you should. 
And granted, a lot of lenders still, they'll go through the process of, okay, let me see the pay stubs. Let me see all these other things. But for a market where a twenty, you know, $250,000 house is not the top of the market, it's uh, fairly affordable, they might not go through all of those hoops. And I would not be shocked if they also made a, a push in, in this initiative to allow the restrictions to be a little bit widened, right? And of course, you know that they're going to try to help the government pay those debts down too, just in case they fall through. So by virtue of this plan, Kamala Harris is essentially trying to lure Black and Latin America, not the uh, not Latin America, but I mean Latin America here, trying to lure these people into creating their own little bubble that will then collapse upon itself because once you get that house, you can't make all the payments. Even though the rent might not be that much or the, not the rent, the mortgage might not be that much, they don't take into account, as most people don't, the amount of money that closing costs are, which are very expensive. By the way, good luck. If you haven't had a house, enjoy the closing costs that are coming your way after you put all your life savings into buying the house, getting the down payment put in, and you think you're okay, you have a little bit put away for savings to, you know, just in case anything goes wrong, just in case you can't make that first re- first mortgage payment, you know, maybe you lose a job, you have a little money scrolled away, oh, that's all gone in closing costs, buddy. Woohoo! Oh boy, they add up. So these people probably don't take a lot of that into account. So they, they put all this out there. Then their closing costs get put into play. That takes all their savings out. Now they're living hand to mouth. They're barely getting by, paying a mortgage on a house they couldn't afford in the first place. They have no savings whatsoever. What if anything goes wrong? What if they lose a job? What if they get sick? What if, they, uh, what if their kids gets injured? What if their car gets wrecked? Goodbye house, goodbye credit, goodbye life. You are now destitute. You are now on the street. You are now uh, dependent on others for kindness. You have literally your life has been destroyed. All thanks to who? Kamala Harris and her government ideas. Well done, Kamala. But she's not the only one who's got some ideas. Now, I'm going to talk too about uh, Buttigieg, Buttigieg. But, you know, now now that Dave Smith's coined the term mayor butt stuff, it's hard to not say it. But uh, even if his name, is it Booty Judge? Because that's even more hilarious if it's the truth, being a gay man. Good judge of booties. But Booty Judge also has his own plan in place, which he calls the Douglas Plan. Now, of course, that is named after Frederick Douglas. And, you know, all these plans, all these bills, they always have the grandest names because they want people on their side to begin with. You know, what was it? The American, the USA Freedom Act uh, that Ted Cruz was a big fan of. Uh, that, of course, was just a replacement for the Patriot Act. But, you know, freedom, guys. The freedom to be spied upon. But, and by the way, you know, just today, another tangent. Just today, there was some stupid thing trending on, trending on Twitter, which I just, I couldn't, I, I just, I could not get involved with it. I just, I was getting too aggravated. As I was going to take part, it was hashtag Obama did it better or something like that. Things Obama did better, some stupid thing like that. And all these fucking idiots are tweeting things about, oh, Obama was better with racial harmony. He bet he was better in representing our country. None of these fucking progressive assholes seem to want to acknowledge that Obama oversaw a period of United States imperialistic growth, a period of of murder of American citizens without habeas corpus, the largest domestic spying operation. He lied to all of America about it. He lied to all of America about their health care plans. He oversaw gun runnings with, with Mexican cartels. He fostered racial ill will between people. He had the Department of Justice actually fund race marches after racial incidents like the one with Trayvon Martin. I'm sorry, in what way is he better than? Now, you could say better than Trump, right? That's what they're comparing him to. I guess he said words nicer. I guess on the outside, he was nicer. In practice, Obama was still worse. He's still worse than Trump ever was. And I say that as a as someone that's become a very harsh critic of Trump. Obama was way fucking worse. The only thing the one and only thing Obama did better. We don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. Those epic words from Archilochus can sum up your ability to succeed or fail in business. 
I want to recommend conversation mat time to our listeners as a way to hone your one-on-one conversation skills in a role-playing session that can help take you to the next level. During 25-minute sessions, you'll work through the best way to approach that raise, that interview, or that relationship with a practice professional that will provide the confidence and experience you need to get paid what you're worth or take that interpersonal risk you've never been able to conquer. Just like in jiu-jitsu, the difference between a novice and a black belt is mat time. Train to win. Visit conversationmattime.com and take advantage of a free 15-minute consultation just for listeners of this show. Was in actually getting into the deal with Iran, which Trump is trying to, I don't even know, try to renegotiate now. It's already off the table, but now the EU's involved and they're trying to resuscitate it. I don't fucking know, but it just really pissed me off. Anyway, Booty Judge, Booty Gig proposes broad plan to counter racial inequality. So essentially what this plan is, uh, which is equal in scale to the Marshall Plan, which is why he calls it the Douglas Plan. This is to establish a $10 billion fund with the goals to, this is from this story on NPR I'm reading, invest $25 billion in historically, wait a minute, how the fuck can you establish a $10 billion, okay, never mind, sorry, I misread <laughs> I was like, $10 billion fund and invest $25 billion. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Sorry. It's a $100 billion plan. So he wants to establish a $10 billion fund for black entrepreneurs over five years, invest $25 billion in historically black colleges, which I consider a fucking waste of goddamn time because, as you know, I'm against mass college enrollment. Pointless. But he does have some things that are good in here, like legalizing marijuana, which, as we know, as I talked about earlier, would uh, drastically decrease the amount of black men and uh, women that are arrested. Expunge past drug convictions, excuse me, yes, all the way to that. That is amazing. He wants to reduce the prison population by half and also pass a new Voting Rights Act to further empower the federal government to ensure voting access. Now, that last one is probably complete horseshit. Uh, And really, here's the thing about this Douglas plan. I like certain parts of it, obviously, as you just heard. But the thing is, the parts I like don't take any money. You don't need $100 billion to do the things that actually are important in this bill. And in truth, by taking a page out of Rand Paul's handbook, the better way to handle this would be to not establish a $10 billion fund for black entrepreneurs over five years, but instead go into areas where black entrepreneurs might come out of. And how about giving them? No taxes for five years on their businesses. How about that idea? I'll tell you what, that'd be worth a fuck of a lot more than 10 billion. And you actually create wealth because you'll have people creating jobs, creating businesses. Who knows? You might have the next giant industry in America pop up from this, but give them a chance by not taxing the living shit out of them, by not levying a corporate tax on their heads and small business taxes. How about, how about rolling back regulations? How about making black entrepreneurs, uh, how about giving them a, a license not to have to go through all of the red tape in California? How about not going through the environmental regulations and the environmental testing that sets you back eight to 10 months if you want to build a fast food joint that's already been in a place where a fast food joint was? And by the way, I'm going to talk about this a little later in the show. This costs no money. And I, I don't get how... They think that giving people cash is a better idea than simply allowing them the ability to operate in the free market without being hindered by government. And legalizing marijuana, that doesn't cost any money. In fact, one could argue that it's rejecting money from the lobby groups, rejecting the police officers' unions that might lobby against it. Although, if you listen to Last Felony Friday, which, by the way, I highly recommend amazing stuff going on in uh, in Pennsylvania and I'm blanking on the people's names and I'm blanking on the county of it, but it's uh, in Pennsylvania, John Odermatt had on two different people, uh, Chris and uh, I'm just going to call him Commissioner Ed, working on projects wherein they basically are, it's the police, local police working with an institution that was created, which, uh, which helps people get back on track called Blueprint. But this is just one of the greatest things I've ever seen because You have cops honestly trying to make a difference, trying not to send people to prison, trying their hardest to get people out of this kind of recidivistic uh, habit of like, okay, you get arrested and you have drugs and you get arrested again, you have drugs. 
break that cycle, get people help when they need help, not just putting people in jail, not just for hard drugs money, not just for, for alcohol, for finding somebody drunk. They saved this woman, like the first person to enroll in this program they were doing. She got help. She was a nurse. She was a drunk. They got her help. She kept her job. She kept her license. She's thriving. That kind of stuff's amazing. Now, granted, that takes money for training, but legalizing marijuana doesn't. You just got to reject the lobbies, reject big tobacco, reject all these other people, you know, reject big pharma because big pharma is one of the people that lobby against recreational marijuana and medical marijuana because it solves so many of the issues that big, big pharma preys on. Expunging past drug convictions, that doesn't take any fucking money, booty judge. That just takes the will to do it. How about you writing, uh, how about you get a big, a big printer to go? And you just sign your name to a bunch of fucking pardons. Anybody that had a pardon for a drug conviction, just go ahead, put your name on it, sign it. You have the ability to do that. You could do that with executive action as much as I hate them, but you could pardon those people. Reducing the prison population by half. You could do that too. Same thing. To quote Obama, one of his worst quotes, I got a pen and I got a, a way or whatever the fuck he said. But the rest of this is just nonsense. And then of course he goes on to talk about how, oh, this doesn't replace reparations. And how they need to, we need to get rid of the electoral college. So anyway, long story short, Booty Judge is still a fucking complete clown, but we'll just talk about it. Okay. Interesting. Fine. Some of it's good. Moving on. Let's talk about real quick. I love this. It's just too funny. So Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris, I don't think her dad likes her (laughs) because he's a Jamaican guy, right? Uh, Still lives in Jamaica. I'm guessing they are not on the best of terms because he routinely undermines her and clearly is not a fan of of who she's become. Uh, That's neither here nor there. I don't know their personal relationship. I don't really want to know. All I know is I can take great pleasure in laughing at the fact that he keeps undermining her because he recently came out and released a a deep biography uh, or lineage of the parental and ancestral history of the Harris family. And surprising nobody that has a brain Oh, shocker, her great-grandfather was a slave owner. Because Kamala Harris is half Jamaican. I guess she's probably a part Irish. She's not 100% black. She's definitely not African-American in the traditional sense because she's from Jamaica and and these other uh, European-influenced genealogies. But her great-grandfather owned slaves, you know, uh, Harris back in the day uh, in Jamaica, Irish slave owner. So he said, you know, just simply, well, by the way, you're descended from slave owners, so... You know, just, just throwing that out there. I just love her fucking dad pulling the pin on this grenade. And he's like, he's like, here you go. Oh, shit. I hope my relationship with my future daughter is not as such where I need to be pulling pins on grenades and just undermining her. Funny, though. So anyway, she's descended from slave owners. Now, Kamala Harris has not come out on reparations as such yet. I'm sure she will eventually. But Beto O'Rourke, of course, also... I think Beto is a fan of reparations, but now Beto O'Rourke and his wife, they also had to release documents and said, okay, yes, we also acknowledge we are both descended from slave owners as well. <laughs> so this is the new thing. This is the new Democrat Libnus. I guess you have to say that you were either descended from slave owners or not. And it's going to be extra funny when, when uh, Elizabeth Warren does hers, because you know she's descended from slave owners, her pretend Indian bullshit. You know it. I guarantee it's coming. But it's just going to be, it's just so funny, man. These people feel the need to declare that they're descended from slave owners. When guys, spoiler alert, almost anybody that came from some sort of wealth or power uh, in the past, you were descended from slave owners, period. You were. This doesn't... I mean, I'm not I'm not defending slavery in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but look, it just was the way things were throughout the entire globe. I mean, I've said this. If you're a new listener to the show, I'm going to rehash it very quickly. I don't want to bore my regular listeners because I've said it so many times. But slavery was the soup du jour. It was it was ever present. It was literally how societies operated, and not just. America, which is what the the liberals want you to think and the the fucking progressives want you to think that America is this great evil and that slavery was there. We talk about slavery here more than any other fucking country has ever talked about slavery. And we had it for the shortest amount of time of virtually any nation anywhere. And 
we paid the heaviest price of any nation anywhere to correct it. Because there were slaves, not just black slaves, but Christian slaves, Muslim slaves, white slaves, Chinese slaves. Everywhere had slavery. Every society, every culture had slavery. Until there was the uprising, until people started to come around, and honestly, until industry, industry, is that what you said? Until industry got to the point where people didn't need slaves anymore. And nobody likes to, nobody likes to admit this. We all like to think that this came from a realization of man and the importance of liberty and freedom, but that is fucking bullshit. That's not where it came from. We have the convenience now of being able to have these ideals, and we should never let them go, which is why I have this podcast, because once we have this thing, we cannot let it slip out of our hands despite all of these forces trying to rip it away from us, which is currently ongoing. But industry is what got us out of slavery. Industry is what made the motivation for having and owning slaves obsolete and gave people the ability to have and exercise this liberty. Because when you're going hand to mouth, when you just when, when you literally don't have the means for production, you are going to be far more enticed to say, you know what, I'm going to overlook this person's humanity because I need them to function as a machine. Once you evolve past that point where that's no longer needed, then you can understand the humanity, the freedom that is inherent in everyone. So long story short, all these fucking people coming out and being like, I was a daughter and a son of slaves. Yeah, yeah. You know, almost a lot of people were, man. If you are, like I said, if you're from privilege and power, you're most likely descended from a slave owner. And honestly, I was curious. I was thinking about this the other day. I don't know if my family were were slave owners or not. I know in America, uh, we were not. However, there may be some distant relatives, I don't know, at some point, um, maybe back in, you know, my, my family is Scotch, Irish, and Polish. So while I don't think that the Irish and the Scottish had a deep history of slavery, and if they did, it would have been slavery of other whites, um, it's possible, but I don't know. My grandfather made, uh, my grandfather, Bayard McWilliams, he made a... Uh, a genealogy, an ancestral record, which I was trying to get. Unfortunately, after his death, uh, I was really trying to get that record. And I think my step-grandmother have it. So unfortunately, uh, we're not, not really in great terms with her. But I was trying to get that, and that would probably have a, a better record for me to find out. But anyway, it's fucking stupid. This is, this is a stupid argument. It's a stupid thing to even have to come out and say that you were a sin from slave owners. Who fucking cares? Who fucking cares? All right, moving on. I want to talk about this idiotic story. The New York Police Department is eyeing a possible hate crime against Megan Rapino. Rapino, I think that's how you say it. The female soccer player who alternately annoyed the living shit out of half of America, including myself, or gave great pleasure to half of America, who still thinks the wage gap is a real thing. Now, I'm not going to fault her talent as an athlete. She's very talented. Uh, and, and, you know, as I said, I still root for the United States in sporting endeavors. I watched the Women's World Cup. I enjoyed it. The women are dominant. I do want to say this about the Women's World Cup, though, and the wage gap thing. People say that the women deserve to be paid more than the men because they advance farther. They win the cups. And I, I made a joke about Twitter on this. You know, I said, oh, you know, because the whole thing about the wage gap and the pay gap with women and men in, in this in this instance with the U.S. women's national team and the U.S. men's national team, the men get paid far more. But the revenue they bring in is far more as well, right? So the argument, they say, oh, well, the women only get paid, you know, 60% as much. So I made a joke on Twitter. I said, oh, the women's, you know, the women's national team had their parade, but they only use 60% of the ticker tape compared to the men's parade. Just kidding. The men never win shit, which is true. They never win shit. But the argument is fundamentally flawed in saying that the women deserve to be paid more because the men never win. And I'll I'll explain why. The men's game on a national level has billions and billions of dollars invested into it. And from a national standpoint, soccer is the world's game. The United States is still behind. We're catching up. Obviously, women's soccer were now dominant. But the thing is, because, you know, and, and I guess this is something in favor of Title IX, even though I'm not in favor of Title IX, uh, but it's something in favor of Title IX is saying that women's sports have caught up quite a bit. And 
our sporting endeavors, right? As a nation, women's sports in the United States and women athletes in the United States are probably more advanced than a lot of other countries because of the size of America, because of the funding in America, because of the, the collegiate programs in America focusing on women's sports. Our women athletes have a big step up on the rest of the world in many cases. You know, you could say, okay, Germany and England, right? They've got they've got great female athletes. Yeah, they do. They've got good good programs for those athletes. They're also an eighth of the size of the United States. And this is why if China ever actually put a lot of money and effort behind their women's teams, probably would dominate because they have so many things. This is why you're seeing China rise up athletically, slowly but surely, basketball, all these other sports. Now, granted, they may never beat America in sprinting just because that just comes down to basic uh, physiology. But in a lot of sports where you can coach these things up, they're going to be catching up. But the same thing, you, you look at the amount of money, the amount of time, the amount of emphasis on women's sports in America. This is why the women's soccer team is dominating as it, as it does. They have a huge leg up on 90% of the competition. The only people that they really don't have a huge leg up, like I said, are the, the soccer-heavy countries, the UK, maybe Sweden, uh, maybe France, Colombia, because they're such a big soccer country. The vast majority of the other ones, they don't. You know, Nigeria's women's team is not going to be holding a candle because the Nigerian government doesn't give a shit about the women's team. Meanwhile, on the men's side, with few exceptions, anybody that's making it into these various cups is a danger. The men could lose. The level of competition is infinitely higher. And we don't need to talk about the fact that, you know, the women's national team lost to the men's something like, or like a collegiate soccer team, 15 year old, something like that. And they lost like five to two, you know, and, and you see people, you know, honest women will admit there is no difference between the men and, or, or, I'm sorry, there's a complete difference between men and women's sports and that you can't really compare the two on an even playing field if they were to compete against each other. No difference. But I want to point out that even within their own spheres of influence, the women are winning and I love it. I support the shit out of it. But at the same time, people need to realize that the American women have a massive advantage over the rest of the world. Massive advantage. Anyway, sorry, I'm sidetracked. So anyway, uh, Rapinho, you know, who was dancing and, and refusing to go to the White House and making a big fucking pain in the ass out of herself while wearing a United States jersey, which... And this is the thing, I'm torn because as a libertarian, I obviously support free speech. But at the same time, as a, uh, a proponent of, okay, you know, this is your employer. You should be able to fire an employee who's a pain in the ass. Same thing with the NFL things. You know, if you don't like what they're doing, well, you get fired. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty shitty. Uh, not saying it should be illegal. Not saying she shouldn't have the right to do it. But it's pretty fucking shitty to be like, fuck the president and fuck the White House when you're wearing a United States jersey and competing for the country. I don't know. Maybe there's no greater national stage to make that point of view on. I'll accept that as a counterpoint. I accept it. I'm just saying it's, it's a little bit uncouth. <laughs> it's a little bit shitty. And then, of course, just her, uh, I don't know. It, it's it, What's really pissed me off as a guy that's played a lot of sports in my life is her whole just upstaging of the rest of the goddamn team really pisses me off to the point where I was like, honestly rooting against the American team in a way, just cause I, she was pissing me off so badly during the run up in this whole thing, seeing her dancing around and the rest of her fucking teammates are sitting down and seeing her get the fuck up and dance around and make a whole spectacle. Just pisses me off, man. And I'm an individualist, but, you know, it's like one of those things when you play in sports where you're a member of a team or, you know, even a fraternity, like like the rest of the Lions and I were members of a fraternity together. There's that, that camaraderie and the respect of, like, I'm not going to upstage you because I respect you. So if she's trying to make a point, right, that's fine. You do that on your own. When we're all out here, you shut the fuck up and you, you keep your mouth closed. You do your job. Because you don't represent all of us, and we're all out here. And what you do reflects on all of us, that kind of thing. Okay, sorry. Now, really often, okay. <laughs> Get back on track. Okay, so anyway, the New York Police Department eyes possible hate crime towards Rapinoe. And, and, and this is the stupidest story I've ever heard in my life. This stems from, I guess, advertisements in the subway. And, you know, some stupid kids, some stupid punks... Probably 14-year-olds wrote like Lesbo or a cunt on 
signs on advertisements of Megan Rapinoe in the subway. And the New York Police Department is considering uh, trying to find out who did it. Good luck with that. Magic marker on a fucking ad in the subway. And, uh, and they want to consider it a hate crime. Because, you know, we can't be writing things on people's pictures because that's mean. I mean, like, I, what, I mean what, what, what has society come to? You write something on a subway sign? This person's never going to see it. You think Rapinoe's riding the subway? If the intended victim never sees it or hears about it, who cares? If a lesbian tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? Who fucking cares? But yet, the New York Police Department is spending special time on this. We got, we got to get to the bottom of this, this horrible crime. And that leads me into another topic. So Quillette, of course, uh, I talked about Quillette because Andy Ngo got attacked by Antifa. Quillette is a left-of-center publication. But they still, they do honest reporting, kind of like Reason. And they just did a, a deep dive into a Seattle case study of the hate crime epidemic. And they, it's basically the hate crime epidemic that never was. And Robbie Suave at uh, Suave, Suave, I don't know what the fuck his name is, over at Reason also did a whole, uh, a whole talk on Capitol Hill about this too. Hate crimes are nonsense. There's no rise in hate crimes whatsoever. And they do a great job breaking this down because they go into it and they go, okay, let's look at the hate crimes. Okay, of the, they say there's a rise. And of course, the media breathlessly reports this bullshit without actually looking into it because they don't fucking want to because they like the narrative that Trump is a racist. They like the narrative that hate crimes have risen, which is not true. At all. So they write these reports, breathless reports. Oh, hate crimes are about 500 more hate crimes. <laughs> Nonsense. Quill looks into it. Basically, how it breaks down is of these hate crimes that were reported, and granted, the media also says reported hate crimes, not the ones that are charged. Very important distinction, right? Of these hate crimes that were actually reported. There was a rise in something like 500, right? So, great. 500 bias incidents reported to Seattle police in 2018. And they say this is an increase from 2012 of 400%. However, when we do a little bit of deep diving into it, well, of the 500 documented incidents, most of them turn out not to be hate crimes at all. Of 521 confrontations, 181 or 35% were deemed insufficiently serious to qualify as crimes of any kind. 215 or 41% turned out to involve some sort of minor element of bias, i.e. an ethnic slur used during a fight or, I guess, yelling as my ex-girlfriend uh, was Chinese and grew up in Boston for a time. Uh, that wonderful welcoming city of Boston, people would yell chink at her and, you know, go home, you, you slant-eyed. So I guess that would count as kind of that sort of thing. Uh, but did not rise to the definition of a hate crime. Only 125 or 24% qualified as potential hate crimes, i.e. criminal incidents directly motivated by bias. And by comparison, there are 745,000 people living in Seattle and 3.5 million in the metro area. So 125 of those possibly <laughs> counted. So of those amount, it gets better. It gets better. Of those amounts of people, the 125, 22% of the perpetrators were living unsheltered at the time. 20% were mentally ill and 20% were severely intoxicated. So of the 125, 60% of those people were homeless, mentally ill, or insanely drunk. So what does that leave us? Well, it left us with some 37 that were actually prosecuted and resulted in a conviction for malicious harassment between 2012 and 2017. That's about six people a year. And of those people, most of them were either so or, or either uh, drunk, insane, or homeless at the time. Right? So basically, when you actually get down to it, there was about an increase of one instance per year. But the media... God bless their hearts, wants to report it as though 500 people were. Now, I want to make a, a point about this. This is all horse shit, right? All horse shit. 
But the point I want to make, too, is that when we see any reports of hate crimes rising, when we see reports of people, like, think about this. If you're walking down the street, right? Let's say you're black and somebody goes, yo, nigger, get the fuck out of here. Highly doubt that's going to happen. But let's say that happens, right? Okay. Are you more likely to report that as a hate crime to the police? Or are you more likely, if you're this black person, to say, hey, fuck you, motherfucker. Give him the finger. Maybe it gets violent. I don't know. I'm not black. I've never been called the N-word. Maybe it gets violent. I don't know. But I think most people are probably going to respond with, fuck you, motherfucker, and then go on with their lives. Same thing with anything. You know, if somebody walks in the street to Pakistani and say, hey, Paki, what are you doing here? Right? Or even a white person. You're walking in the street and they go, hey, cracker, this is our hood. Get out of here. Right? I've been called a milkshake before. It's kind of funny. A black kid is like, yeah, milkshake. <laughs> Call me milkshake. And uh, I remember my response at the time. I was walking by. He goes, he goes hey, what are you doing, milkshake? And I said, I said milkshake. I said, do you say that to all the boys? You know, making him feel like he was gay. And he just shut up and walked away. I'll tell you what I didn't do. I didn't report it to the cops as a hate crime because who cares? Like the people that report this shit do it for one reason, because a hate crime as dictated by most people's common sense is a violent act, a crime. Calling somebody a name is not a crime. Being an asshole is not a crime in 99% of situations. So people that don't have some sort of insane need for attention, simply brush them off. The people that are reporting the 99% of this bullshit are people that report it for one reason and one reason only. And that's because they desperately crave the attention of their peers. They so desperately want to be able to say, you won't believe what happened to me the other day. I was walking down the street and somebody called me a guinea. Oh, I guess if I was telling the story, I'd say, like, I was walking down the street, eh? and somebody called me a guinea. I said, what's up? And I reported to the police. I mean, I, seriously, normal people don't report this shit to the cops. You flip somebody off, you tell them to fuck themselves. Maybe you give them a sock in the stomach. I don't know. You don't go reporting it to the cops. You only report it to the police because you want there to be an official record of it so you can tell your fucking stupid, progressive, asshole, fuck friends that you reported a hate crime, that you now... Get victim points for reporting a hate crime. You can now rise up. You're an evolved Pokemon. Because you have been the victim of a quote-unquote hate crime because somebody said something mean to you. And I promise you, that is driving 99% of every single one of these. Okay. Um, uh, where am I at here? Oh God, this is a long episode. Shit, I have been rambling on, guys. Fuck, man. Um, okay, quick hits. Uh, this whole Trump thing about going back home to where you're from. I'll just go on it quick. Uh, his first tweet, it was basically talking about how you should, you know, if you're from somewhere else, you should be you're, you're representing the country. You should be uh, you shouldn't be shitting on it all the time. I get that. Makes a lot of sense to me. The problem with Trump is that Trump goes off and he does he he has no filter. And I get what he's trying to say a lot. His whole thing about go back to where you're come from, these dirty shithole countries. Yeah, shouldn't have done that. Pretty stupid. Hard to defend uh, if I even wanted to defend it. Again, I get where he's coming from, but just idiotic. What a stupid thing to say. And people, now people calling him racist. I don't think this is a racist statement. I, I mean, the traditional definition of racism doesn't really uh, apply here. <laughs> I don't think that he's categorically uh, associating all people from that country and saying that they're all terrible people and they all should go back home. He's talking specifically about these four, they called them the squad. These four uh, assholes who, by the way, all pull very badly, but he's trying to say, Hey, you guys, you're shitting on the country. You shouldn't be. If you don't like the country leave, right? I get it. It's very jingoistic. I, I I'm not a fan of it. I get it. Does it excuse it? No, it was very stupid. He shouldn't have said it. I'll leave it at that. Whatever. I, I, it was a dumb thing, especially for a president to say, very fucking stupid. But hey, guys, another remind you, your president shouldn't define you. Shouldn't fucking define you. 
All right, next thing I want to talk about, Rand Paul. We should quadruple employment-based legal immigration. Goddamn yes, we should, Rand. That, you know, I'm too lazy to pull it up because I'm trying to go through quickly, quickly through this, but that is a Apollos. Good job. I've said this for many years. Yeah, legal immigration, employment-based immigration, definitely. Raise it up. Make that shit easy to get. Seasonal green cards coming in, able to work, able to cost, go back, come here, go back, come here, go back. Yeah, make it, do it. Solves the fucking problem overnight. How about this one? San Francisco residents using environmental lawsuits to stop a new homeless shelter as San Francisco's in the throes of one of the worst homeless crises we've ever seen in our lives. Shit on the streets. Shit on the street. Shit on the street. Little David Bowie. So, of course, and you know, I was listening to Adam Carolla's show, which I listen to. I, I kind of pop in and pop out. Uh, Dana Gould's Huel Hauser impressions, of course, I must hear, but I pop in and pop out. I saw the mayor of San Francisco was on. I thought that was curious because uh, Gavin Newsom being ripped apart by Carolla is one of the greatest things I've ever heard in my life. And I wanted to see this mayor. Does he know what he's in for? And it was actually interesting because the mayor's coming in. He's talking about, you know, solving the problem, trying to help people, trying to treat the mental illnesses, trying to treat uh, various symptoms of the homelessness, trying to reunite people with families, which is a great idea. And trying to get these shelters built, right? But in the context of let's get your shit off the street, we're not allowing you to keep stuff under a bridge. We're going to give you an area to put your stuff until we can get you off the street and reunite with your family or back on your feet, that kind of thing. Not saying that the government should necessarily be paying for this, guys, but it's a step forward from what we have, right? Which is like the L.A. method of, hey, just have a giant fucking tent sitting and shit and shoot up wherever you want. We're going to give you more money and not do anything. So this guy, he's talking to the San Diego mayor. He goes, yeah, you know, there were four shelters. And he goes, what I did, because these people keep coming at you like the not in my backyard, the NIMBYs. They keep saying, no, no, no. And they use California's own bullshit regulations against it. Hilarious. Like the environmental um, uh, impact reports, EIRs, they're called. I have clients that are trying to build fucking post-production facilities that have to go through EIRs in a building that has been there for 10 fucking years. They're just trying to put new equipment into it. You got to go through an EIR because that's fucking money. So these cocksuckers, these NIMBYs are saying, ah, we're using environmental impact reports to stop these homeless shelters. It's just, it's a fucking joke. It's hilarious to watch. It's watching San Francisco eat itself and turn into the rotting asshole that it is, is giving me immense pleasure. I'm I'm laughing every goddamn day watching it. I just feel bad for my poor brother-in-law, Stephen. (laughs) He lives up there. Uh, Sorry, Stephen. But, you know, it's just, it's just funny to watch it unfold. But the San Francisco or San Diego mayor, he goes, yeah, you know what? I just, he's like, I, you know, they, they're trying to do this environmental impact report shit. He's like, they can do that. That's fine. He goes, but I'm not giving the opportunity to, to really fight back in a certain way because as I, you know, as the mayor, there's lots that are public lots that are not used. He's like, I'm just going, he goes, I put it there. If you don't like me, you don't like me. You can vote me out as mayor, but I'm putting right here. I'm just going to do it. And while I don't like that on one side, on the other side of things, I'm so just disgusted with the homeless situation in, in California, with the housing situation, because this mayor in San Diego is also pushing through to make it easier for buildings to be made on industrial size, on commercial size, everything. Make it easy, because he's talking about himself, what I mentioned earlier. Just to put a fast food restaurant in, in California, it, it, it takes years, years, so nobody wants to build here. So he's doing the right thing. Anyway, let's all laugh at San Francisco. Huh, okay. And then we're going to end up on two quick things. Area 51, going to be ridiculous if these people actually try to storm it. I would not recommend it myself, but in it for the memes. Very exciting, very exciting time for memes with Area 51, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, And just this story I had to end on, guys, as we wrap up Electric Liberty Land, episode number 133, is I got to tell you this story. This is how superheroes are really made this origin story of a superhero cannot be beat so a man in logan county right is driving a stolen vehicle filled with wait for it a rattlesnake Mm -hmm. kentucky deluxe which is a whiskey and Uranium! Yes! 
This guy is driving down the street. He gets pulled over because they have expired tags. Which, by the way, of course, you should not be pulled over for expired tags. Lucky this guy's not dead. But he gets pulled over for expired tags. And they pull him over. They find he's got... This is, this is a quote from the Guthrie police sergeant. And this is Guthrie, Oklahoma. So now he's got a rattlesnake, a stolen vehicle, firearm, somebody under arrest. And then he goes, they have also found open bottle of Kentucky Deluxe next to his gun. And a search of the vehicle revealed a canister of radioactive powdered uranium. My friends, this is an origin story. This is the next great libertarian superhero. This man, maybe he's a psychopath, I don't know. But God damn it, man, he could become like the uranium snake. You know, he's like a nuclear-powered rattlesnake man with a gun for one arm and a snake for the other arm. He's got scales all over him. He can hiss and smell things in the air to track down his prey. And he's fucking drunk all the time. I may be the superhero. This may be me. Not for this damn baby on the way. Now I can't risk it. Well, we'll see. Maybe little baby McWilliams will really want a uranium-powered half-man, half-gun, half-drunk superfather. Time will tell, my friends. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up for this episode, guys. From me, Brian McWilliams, I want to request again that you subscribe to this show. Subscribe to the Lions of Liberty podcast Share the show. Tell people about the show. We need growth. We have been doing this show for a long time. And we need more people to listen in to what is by far the best variety libertarian show on the podcasting wave. So share it. Mark on Mondays. In-depth interviews with leaders of the libertarian movement. Me, of course, here every Wednesdays making you laugh opening up your mind, making you think. Electric Liberty Land of John Odermatt on Fridays with Felony Fridays, guys. Shit, what more can you ask for? And plus, we're going to give you a very special episode this week on Thursday. We're going to release a special two days only. You can only download it for two days, then we're pulling it off the feed, but we're going to give you a little taste of what being a Pride member at the $5 and up level is where you get the bonus content. Jeffrey Epstein Conspiracy Corner is coming at you. So make sure to listen up that uh, before it's gone. So that's it. Support the show. All right. Peace out, motherfuckers. From me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty, and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into liberty.